Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Welcome to the greatest generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Happy Christmas to everyone who celebrates today. Oh, yeah. We talked a long time about whether or not to drop an episode <laughs> on, on the day of. I was like, why not? Yeah. We've never missed a day. The, the people listening now need it now more than ever. Yeah. <laughs> Parents trying to get the attention of their adult children. Right, sure. On the love seat across the room. <laughs> it's your turn to play Santa. Mm-hmm. And they're just not hearing it. Not even trying to hear it. The hood on their sweatshirt is up. Their earbuds are discreetly in. Yeah. (laughs) They're uh, listening to the dulcet tones of Ben and Adam and just trying not to let the stress of the holiday get to them. Has the stress of the holiday gotten to you? I don't think so. I think that dissipating the holiday into we do Hanukkah at our house and we do Christmas at my mom and dad's house. Mm Mm-hmm. It's really made everything a lot easier for me. I'm still, we're not even in Hanukkah yet as of this recording, so. I know. Just an 80 degree December day in Los Angeles. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. 80 degrees, yet still freezing inside my home studio. Yeah. So. uh, About that. Do with that information what you will. I I was scrolling through gift guides trying to think of something nice for my wife as uh, as we fired up the pod today. Tis the season for that. Yeah. You know, you know this person as much as it's possible to know anyone else. Yeah. And yet, that feeling of being totally lost about what what to get that person that represents that feeling, ugh, gives me chills. Very difficult. I think some years I have an easier time than others. There's like a thing that is very obviously going to be a nice thing for it to have and... Sometimes I see I can see that thing before she does, and those are the perfect years for gift giving. This just isn't one of those years. I don't know how to wrap the gift that is time away from me. <laughs> You're just saying like a a vibrator is a kind of an unusual shape. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying me getting the fuck out of town is. Uh, <laughs> That's just a, a notification on her phone she could get. Well, as much as I wish somebody could fill in the blanks for, for us on what gifts to give our special ladies, I thought maybe you could fill in some blanks for me, Adam. We've got some Star Trek Mad Libs here, and it's been a really long time since uh, we've done one. Wow. Wow. I thought it'd be fun to do one. Is this a holiday edition? Oh man! Um, you know what? I'm going to make my answers more more holiday skewed. That's what I'll do. Okay. <laughs> I'll make it a holiday edition. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have um, a bunch of them here. Maybe I'll give you uh, uh, three titles to choose from, and and we can go from there. Does that okay. Sound good. Yeah. Sounds great. Okay. Harry falls in love. Okay. That's a strong one. Doctor and Seven, or Ben and Adam slash Adam and Ben. Harry Kim falls in love. The Doctor and Seven. Adam and Ben. Ben and Adam. Yeah. 
Harry Kim falls in love. <laughs> hey, I like a decisive man. Decisive man. Always very hot. One, two. And you people, you're all some kind of Star Trek. Mad lip, mad lip. First word I need from you, Adam, is a gerund. That's a verb ending in ing. Hanging. Like hanging mistletoe. Uh-huh. A verb in the past tense. Hanged. <laughs> you sure you don't want to go with hung? <laughs> right, because one is about uh, dying by rope, and then the other one is uh, any other version, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I think I meant what I meant. Okay. Uh, plural body part. Hmm. Hmm. Buns. <laughs> I like I like how non-specific that one is. Singular body part, Adam. Armpit. <laughs> Nothing puts me in the holiday mood like the thought of an armpit. That's the body's mistletoe right there. Mm-hmm. According to Dan Savage. Okay. Verb in the present tense. Drink. Okay. Plural noun. Trees. Trees. Oh, can I can I make that Christmas trees? Okay. Yeah. Adding Xmas to the beginning of that because I don't have a lot of space here on the page. You got it. You know, X M A S. Uh, Star Trek alien species, Adam. Hoosnock. Does that even count if they're all gone? No. We'll see. We'll see when we uh, flip the page over. All right. Uh, an adjective. Mary. Like Newman from Seinfeld. Like like Mary and Jolly. Mm-hmm. Holly Jolly. A verb in the past tense. Slapped. A verb in the present tense. Tickle. Tickle. Wow. <laughs> How did you know that there was <laughs> something to follow up slapped? Another gerund. What does that mean again? That's the ing kind of verb. Okay. God, I hope I'm right about that. <laughs> Shooting. A noun. Shuttlecraft. An adjective. Warm. A social event. Eggnog power hour. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Just the thought of that <laughs> gives me the willies. <laughs> I got a jug of aged eggnog in the fridge right now. I tasted some of that. It was great. Thanks, man. Yeah. Opened it up while uh, while you came over over the weekend. That was the first time we'd enjoyed it. Really good. That felt really momentous. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Adjective? Nauseous. A verb in the past tense. Lit. And finally, an important ship system. Sewage reclamation. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much just me, right? Look at me! I'm a system! All right, Adam. <clears throat> Just a reminder, the title of this story is Harry Falls in Love. Mm. A holiday story. I'm hanging you, Tom. 
she's not like the other girls I've hanged for. Mm. Sure, those buns sticking out of her armpit may seem strange at first, but now they're all I can drink about. <laughs> hey, that's pretty fun. That's like a little reference to my old podcast. Let's drink about it. When there's a, a body part on your special person that you need to drink about, mm-hmm. that's tough. That's a thing. Yeah. And she's got trees that could put a hoosnock to shame. Mm. But it's not just that. I've never s- felt so merry with a woman. Yeah. We just slapped right away. Mm. And she's already learned how to tickle my clarinet. Oh. <laughs> That one worked out. Yeah, I know Balana caught her shooting the warp core controls, and Tuvok said that she seemed oddly fixated with the captain's shuttlecraft. But she's a warm girl. Look, I'll bring it up with her during our eggnog power hour, but I'm telling you, buddy, she's nauseous. (laughs) Wait, what's this code that's been lit into my console? Using my password? Oh, God, she's compromised sewage reclamation and just jaked a shuttle and... Oh, no! The airlock is opening! So endeth the reading. (laughs) Yet another relationship of a very specific kind for (laughs) Harry Kim. Yeah, no kidding. I lasted 22 minutes. That was a lot of fun. She had butts in her armpits. Oh, I was picturing, like, hair buns, but, uh... Oh. (laughs) Oh, I was thinking butt buns. Yeah. I mean, it could have been those, too. You can always, uh... Give those buns a little little haircut. Yeah, I suppose you could. It's objectionable. But there's nothing you could do about butts in your armpits. Butts in your armpits. I mean, not everyone keeps their butt in the same place. This is Star Trek. Don't you feel like Star Trek would have done more body part replacement over the entire run than we've ever gotten? Can you even think of another example besides genital knee guy? I feel like there have been, like, people whose, like, ears and noses have been in weird places. Eyes are pretty much always in the same place. Yeah. Yeah. Except for on those fish guys. Oh, yeah. Worf thought were really handsome. Yeah, that's that's what makes them prey. Wasn't one of those fish guys played by a rock star? Sure. Yeah. Uh, A Fleetwood Mac. Oh, wow. Played that guy. (laughs) I think uh, for all the mad-libbing that we've done, Star Trek could stand to do a little bit more mad-libbing of body parts. Boy, it's really true. You said it. That's what I want. With our remaining Star Trek episodes. Yeah. The the number that is slowly whittling down to zero. Mm -hmm. But uh, we got a banger today, Adam. Yeah, we really do. Something got into the stream today. Yeah. It's uh, season seven, episode six. Inside Man. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. <laughs> Janeway's log in the cold open tells us that they are missing a data stream. And everyone is really hungry for the one that comes next. When you go without, like, you get used to the data stream, right? Right. And then when the data stream's not there, you realize how dependent you've become. It will take hold of you, and you will resent it's absence. Right. It's like when the Wi-Fi goes down mid-flight. It's like very frustrating. Yeah. And yet, this was how it was always. In the corridor, Paris and Kim are not wearing fun costumes 
like I had hoped. I wish they'd been in fun costumes. <laughs> yeah. Paris kind of holds Kim responsible for the last one going missing. And he's like, what are you? That wasn't, that wasn't me. It never showed up. I didn't lose anything. Yeah, he says something about uh, something in the stream being too big for the ship to mm-hmm. take on. And mm-hmm. now he and Seven have to unclog the works yeah. to get this thing coming through. We need to pull it out. <laughs> Assist me. You know, it's it's always good to prep when you're about to receive a big data stream. You know. Well, I mean, uh, I think it's a good idea if it's been a while, like if it's been a month, maybe pinch the end of it so the stream doesn't go all over the place. Mm. Sure. So he heads into the ass lab and... Uh, they figure out why this data stream is so goddamn big. It's not the regular packets of email and, and videograms. It is a hollow. Yeah. And they've, they've got to get it out of the buffer fast before it degrades. We've seen the container that these things live in. It's big. It's a big container. They decide, or Harry specifically decides, that blowing out some some equipment on Voyager is worth it because obviously Starfleet wouldn't send this hollow if, you know... It hadn't been important. I love this decision by an ensign. Yeah. Blow it up. <laughs> Blow it up twice. I love the, uh, the like immediate gratification of that, too. Like the, the sparks blow out one of the panels. Uh, this is like seven special workspace that she's normally 100% in charge of, and Harry Kim yeah, is just running care? roughshod over it. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> We go to that uh, hologram lab and uh, get to meet a Lieutenant Barkley Hollow. And this is not quite the same character as the Reginald Barkley that we've spent time with on the D and back on Earth. He's real self-possessed. You know, he's making big promises. He is sort of the Stefan Urkel of... Reg Barkley. Yeah. He's the Reginald Barclay, if you will. He sure is. I'm a walking, talking, problem-solving, interactive hologram. You can call me Reg. It's nice to meet you, Reg. <laughs> I love how he's cool in every other way except hair. <laughs> yeah, there's only so much you could do with hair when you've got the actor playing two parts across the course of the episode. It makes sense when you realize later on, like, what's going on with this guy and why he is the way he is. Like, yeah. the people programming him don't know of hair. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, this guy's cool as hell. He's great. He talks about how, okay, so we're heading toward Grid 898 here on the Voyager. And uh, up ahead is a red giant star, and it's giving us an opportunity to create a geodesic fold that Voyager will be able to fly through. It's like uh, like if you took a centerfold and punched a, a pencil through it. Excuse me, uh, that's Vanessa and that's mine. That kind of thing. I don't like that he's proposing Event Horizon to the crew. (laughs) Don't like it at all. And Janeway doesn't like it either. She's like, no dice. That'll never work on network television. Yeah, yeah. Too R-rated. Do you know what would happen if you tried to play Event Horizon on UPN? (laughs) It would be 40 minutes long. And he's like, I actually thought of all of this. There are schematics for shield upgrades and medical technology in my data stream. 
that are going to solve for all of the things that you worry about when you event horizon your ship. <laughs> and, you know, we've got a couple of days to, to put all this stuff into place. You know, I'm going to be working with you guys. It's all going to be okay. Starfleet thought of everything. No one in the engine room is going to light on fire. Uh, there's no visitor that's going to gouge out their own eyes. There's no uh, younger crew person who's going to try to leave through the airlock. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. He has answers for all of these contingencies. You know, like, think, just think about your sick bay for one second. Are there knives and chains dangling from the ceilings at all? <laughs> if the answer is no, you have to go with this idea. <laughs> the gateway is open, and you are all coming with me. And, like, his confidence is very persuasive, right? Yeah, it's not a thing where anybody is suspicious at all for quite a long time, Yeah, actually. Including Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. Who is really happy to just give over his mobile emitter to the Reg Barkley hologram, no questions asked. It's a little, like, professional courtesy. Like, oh, like, always nice to meet another hologram, but also, you know, I've actually met Barkley on a previous data stream adventure, so, uh, you know, nice to see a friendly face for him. The suggestion for just the briefest moment that this guy might be a fake and whatever happened to last month's data stream. Do you think that we would have been better off without it completely? Because once you get to the end of this episode, you're like, you know, they were suspicious for like a half a minute in six bay. I almost <laughs> wish they weren't suspicious at all. Yeah. It makes them look like assholes either way, but yeah, almost like, like bigger assholes to like have the suspicion and then not do anything to check on it. That's the part I don't like is like they, they had the instinct, but they didn't do anything about it. It's like they trusted, but they didn't verify. Precisely. Yeah. So very nice thing Dr. Mark has done here. My emitter is your emitter. And it's clear that this is going to be like a prison sentence for him because he follows Barclay and, uh, and Jane Way. All the way to the door, but not out of it. He's going to be trapped in there. Yeah. We go to a McLaughlin group. Issue one. And I laughed out loud at the second we cut to this because we open with the camera close up on a schematic of this red giant star that looks like nothing but a goatsy. Yeah. The geodesic fold will open here, adjacent to the giant's northern pole. And we pull back and, you know, they're talking about uh, how this geodesic fold is going to work and you know what the plan is and uh they're also getting ready to send a data stream back to starfleet basically a message received data stream and uh i, I thought that the captain sounded a little horny when she starts talking about wanting to send a thank you note to barkley for all his hard work did you get this no. in her performance at all when Barkley is involved, I'm not horny whatsoever. I'm not on that wavelength. I don't know. I kind of got the sense that... There's coffee in all his hard work. I mean, she hasn't met Barkley. She's only met Barclay. Mm -hmm. So maybe she's thinking that Barkley is sexier than he actually is. Yeah, I mean, maybe this is a future hairstyle that really works. Yeah. That really uh, floods the basement. When she talks about this note, uh, the camera does pan down to Chakotay's fist, which is crushing a pencil one thing that i really liked about this scene is how 
overt it is that when Barkley calls the plays for the mission, everyone gets a responsibility except Neelix, like conspicuously not Neelix. <laughs> and Neelix is like, hey man, uh, what about me? And Barclay turns into a hell of a ball coach here. This is like what it was like for me to play Little League. Like, <laughs> hey, I noticed everyone's in the lineup. <laughs> and the coach is like, look, we need some strong hitters off the bench. So uh, you just pick up the bats for the other kids and wait. Your job might be the most important one of all. This is great. Like, this is not the Barclay that we know at all. Yeah. He's, he's really encouraging and optimistic. He's like doing captain speechifying. Yeah. I wouldn't like this if I were Janeway. She really does give him a lot of rope. Yeah. Our course is locked in. Do it. Listen to me very carefully because I'm only going to say this once. Tom, speaking of ropes, mm. not optimistic. He and Harry have this conversation where Tom goes through some past episodes where they thought that they were going to get to go home. Yeah. And how badly things went. Our shortcuts have a tendency to blow up in our faces. Which list is longer? The list of terrible X's that Kim has had or the <laughs> opportunities to go home that fizzled out? They have both been listed in uh, in recent episodes. And uh, I, think, I think Kim's list was longer. Yeah, I think so too. I don't think there's ever any doubt that it's going to be longer forever. Yeah. We cut to the ass lab where Seven is talking about a plan to mitigate damage to the ship based on some Borg tech. The way the Borgs do their structural integrity fields when they go through space buttholes. And this conversation kind of turns as they discuss it to all of the excitement that is brewing on Earth for the return of Voyager and all the all the parties, all the speeches <laughs> that will be that will be conducted uh, when they get back. And I thought that Seven was just like, I, that shit sounds boring. I don't want to do it. But it's actually that she's got some kind of anxiety about being an XB on Earth. This picture that Barkley paints is extremely positive. Like, you, you think you're going to get home and, and be a pariah? Only if a pariah means like sitting on the back of a convertible while ticker <laughs> tape falls around you. Yeah. The etymology of pariah is actually the same as the etymology of parade. <laughs> I love how he says that knowing what we know about the population of Earth and let's just say the Federation, mm -hmm. he says that she will be a hero to millions. <laughs> Do you think that's a dunk? Is, it, is, is that like the smaller of the two sides of the ratio? That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Also, another person has become an XB, kind of famously. Yeah. She's not the first. <laughs> Anybody that's lost anyone to the Borg is going to treat you as a, as a sign of hope. Mm -hmm. Because they can't treat Picard as that, because he's probably the Borg that they lost that person to. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, by comparison, she's got to be feeling pretty good. Her body count is pretty small, by yeah. comparison. Yeah. Reginald Barclay has a uh, a pep talk kind of pre-programmed to get her excited and uh feel it feels well rehearsed, doesn't it? It does. I don't think anything's going to really convince Seven that she's going to be welcomed home though. 
No, she's gonna. She's the only person on the ship that is gonna trust but verify. Yeah, I feel like. Yeah, good for her. We cut to Earth and the office building where the communications research center is. Just a building that does not inspire. <laughs> this building makes me sad. Hey, Starfleet, is this your idea of architecture? <laughs> <laughs> it sort of looks like it was put up in the 70s. So, it, like, by the time Barkley is working in it, it's like an ancient building, <laughs> you know? If you could say objectively that the Salesforce building is better looking than this, <laughs> I think you've done wrong. <laughs> wow. Absolutely savage. <laughs> Turns out, Adam, the data streams are not, in fact, making it to Voyager. Yeah. Look. When I saw that this was going to be a, a Barkley episode, I was like, hmm. But then when I realized this was going to be a Richard McGonagall playing Pete Harkins episode, I was like, <laughs> fuck yeah. <laughs> Pete Harkins rules. Harkins rules. Broccoli drools. Um, he's trying to get Reg to, to chill out because it, they have, in fact, been trying to send a hologram. But what seems to be happening is that the signal is dissipating in space in between Earth and Voyager. So You need a clear line of sight through two quadrants <laughs> to get this here, right? Yeah. What is this? And so the streams aren't making it. Something's something's cutting it off. It's like uh, losing your reception on K-Rock when you go through the grapevine. Mm, precisely. Harkin seems like a cool boss, right? He's like, look, we're not going to solve this tonight. The day's over. Yeah. Let's go home. Let's go home. Also, like next month, it's not going to be a hologram. Like, mm -hmm. let's just go back to the regular emails and, and videograms, you know? It's clear that this whole idea has been a huge disappointment. I love how Barclay's like, why don't we send a ship out there to investigate this area? Yeah. Given that it's two months in a row where this thing's been cut off. Commander Pete is like, hmm. Last I checked, Reg, you got two pips. You're not the kind of person that gets to uh, charter missions in Starfleet. Yeah. It is a scene that begs the question, if this is Reginald Barkley, who the hell is that on Voyager? And how did he get there? Yeah. Probably not the greatest moment to bring a tour of like seven-year-old kids through the Pathfinder project. Also, the Pathfinder project seems like a super boring field trip. Oof. If you, <laughs> like, if you lived in the Star Trek future and your fourth grade class is going to get a big tour of a lab, <laughs> how boring is that? <laughs> I think when the school bus drops you off in front of a building that looks like this, you need to know where your expectations need to be. You really regret getting your parents to put their thumbprint on that permission slip. Yeah. iPad, right? Yeah. I'd rather be in the library that day. Yeah. These kids don't get much to do other than just be kind of like shocked and weirded out by Barkley when he runs into the room yelling that it's the Borgs that must have assimilated the hologram. Yeah. It's a conversation that isn't appropriate for kids. And he goes on and on and on before Pete Harkins shuts this guy up yeah. and recommends he use some of... His leave. Barkley has a lot of leave. <laughs> His accruals are big. 
Barkley has as much leave as my wife does. Yeah. She's she's caught in that trap. Like, important job, time off, unable to use it. Yeah. Some bullshit. Can she get compensated for it? Can they can they pay her out or like cuz in in a moneyless future, he can't even go for the like I'll just take the check, you know. That's what's so crazy about the 24th century. You use it or you really lose it. You really do. Yeah. <laughs> what I don't like is Pete Harkin suggesting that he goes to his cousin's beach house in Malaysia. That does seem weird. Why is Pete Harkin so nice to Barkley? Given, I'm gesturing broadly, <laughs> all of the reasons. I don't know. Maybe he's got orders. <laughs> I give you a best friend. With all due respects, are my best friend. I can barely tolerate being in the same room with a man. Barkley is too crucial to the Pathfinder project to be a dick to. I would be making the face every fucking day in this lab if I had to work with Barkley. <laughs> it would just be frozen. Yeah. So this is kind of an order. Uh, Barkley does not take him up on the Malaysian beach house, but he accepts his marching orders. And we cut back to the Delta Quadrant. And Mark is working on the vaccine info that Barclay showed up with. And he's like, "These, I mean, we're going to be subjecting the crew to a lot of ra- radiation going through this spatial fold. And uh, the vaccines that you're talking about are, like, not substantially different from the kinds of vaccines that we would have had access to without your special data stream. So, like, what gives, man? I like that the consequences are mentioned a couple of times in some pretty gross detail. To me, they should have been mentioned ten more times. (laughs) Like, in graphic detail. Didn't you want them to do, like, a we're running a simulation on the holodeck, but we're not saying we're running a simulation on the holodeck and, like, melt everyone? Yeah, and it's, like, the scene from The Rock where the VX poison gas busts open in the lab (laughs) and that guy starts foaming and breaking his own back. That's the scene I wanted. That would have been great, except for UPN, you know? Probably couldn't show it. Too gross. Yeah. Too much like Event Horizon. <laughs> oh my God. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Get do it. Do it. Get do it. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Get do it. Do it. Do it. Barclay is really cool about the whole thing. He's like, look, it's not just the inoculations. It's the combination of the shields and the inoculations that make the whole thing work. It's not either or, it's both. Yeah. But (laughs) that does not make anyone feel better about the idea of one of those things failing. Right. So uh, he's like, all right, well, I'm going to go do the rest of my stuff for the day. And Mark is like, hey, but before you go, I would love to get the mobile emitter back. I've got some stuff I want to do also. And there's only the one of them. And the music cue as Barclay leaves the holodeck really draws an underline under the idea that this mobile emitter situation is more serious than it might seem on the surface. Yeah. They really should have made a couple of these. Yeah. If they'd gotten a couple more 29th century thingies. Yeah. Could they make another one or is it like beyond their abilities? Doesn't seem like they can. 
It's not mentioned in this episode. <laughs> and I wish it were. What do you think about the episode's decision to not make Barclay do evil on screen at this point, or even within the next 20-ish minutes of episode runtime? Like, the intentionality of just letting this guy exist with the crew, not doing anything malevolent, yeah, I thought was really great for the tension. I did too, because if you were like looking at your phone for a minute when we cut back to Earth and established that neither data stream made it to Voyager as far as Starfleet knows, mm-hmm. you might still not realize that something is wrong with this guy. Yeah. Or like if you're grounded and listening to this episode in your bedroom <laughs> and I'm unable to watch it visually, yeah. very confusing. Strange. Um, So Voyager sends its data stream back. No word on just what Captain Janeway enclosed as a thank you note to Reg Barkley. But uh, when we cut to the Midas array, the camera flies into that part of the Midas array that uh, isn't actually physically attached to it. So neat. Reveals that there's some kind of Ferengi crap clamped onto it. And now we cut to this Ferengi ship that where that is tapped into the comms between Starfleet and Voyager. I love that Ferengi ship design on the interior is completely unchanged between now and the first season of TNG. <laughs> We're still flying around with those white balls. Yeah. Love those balls. So great. Love those scheming Ferengis talking about... Uh, their nanoprobes for profit mm-hmm. plan. What an inventive way to get profit these guys have come up with. Yeah. There's a ship stranded tens of thousands of light years from here that has a cache of Borg nanoprobes on it. If we can get our hands on those nanoprobes via a scheme involving a spatial fold and a red giant star, we can make tons of money off of this. It's true. It's a victimless crime when the victim is thousands of light years away, right? I guess so, yeah. I mean, and, and a, a Borgs. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if we've ever seen a, an assimilated Ferengi. Oh, did we see one in, in Prodigy? I think we did, yeah. That was fun. Yeah. But as far as we know, in this time period, the Ferengi don't have any specific beef with the Borgs. The Ferengi start watching this transmission, and they do that thing where they fast-forward past the exposition in the porn and go straight into insertion where (laughs) Barkley is telling them that he's included schematics of seven and uh, of the millions of nanoprobes that are aboard Voyager that, that they could take. They're really psyched because the number is bigger than they expected, which means the profits will be bigger than they expected. Mm -hmm. Oh man. Pretty good deal. We cut to a Baywatch like beach scene. (laughs) This scene really made me respect Baywatch more for all of the challenges that a scene like this must present, right? Yeah. And I'm talking about footprints in the sand continuity. I'm talking about just the sound of the ocean constantly and the light, whether or not like the sunlight and its reflection off of the the ocean is blowing you out or not. It's got to be such a challenge to do this. Just like the toll sand takes on film equipment. Mm, mm-hmm. 
from the couple of times that I've shot something in a sandy environment is devastating. What and, a nightmare. I mean, it's no wonder that Star Trek doesn't shoot in sandy environments very often. Yeah. It's coarse, rough, and irritating, and it gets everywhere. But also, like, Baywatch always just looks so summery and great, and this is not a particularly summery-looking day at the beach. Yeah, there's something about the color temperature of it that kind of feels like kind of akin of shooting a day for night kind of like winter for summer. Yeah, which they had to do on Baywatch all the time, but they Mm -hmm. like, you know, they used like lights with really, you know, with like yellow gels Mm -hmm. in front of them to to warm things up. I mean, it's hard on actors too, because, you know, you're in in a swimsuit on a beach when it's like freezing out. Yeah, like you can't just tell yourself not to get goosebumps. Right. It's gonna happen. Barkley shows up on this beach that I, I loved seeing all the like aliens and loaf on the beach also, but uh, Barkley's got a little loaf of his own. He's put some uh, some technological zinc oxide on his nose and a uh, big floppy hat. And he walks up to Counselor Troy with some chocolate tiki drinks. And uh, boy, she is creeped out. She's so creeped out that she like covers her. <laughs> herself up she's like out there sunbathing and she uh throws a towel over she does not want her patient ogling her body i can't think of a chocolate tiki drink but i bet you can those are things right i thought that this was a novel idea uh i'm very curious about it maybe Mm -hmm. it should be a square on the game of buttholes we try to come up with a chocolate tiki drink i like that a lot let's remove the tub one and replace it with that (laughs) This is Risa, Ben. Did you know that? Like, there's the Rysian logo on the towel on her Shaylong. I did not know that. Wow. If this is Risa, where are the Horgon? That is a problem with this episode. Yeah. Like, someone's got to be making a sand Horgon, right? That's fun. Oh, that would have been so fun. If they ever up Voyager to HD. I hope they George Lucas some CG sand horgons in. I got to show you a thing while we're talking about sand horgon. Hold on. I'm showing you and the viewers the uh, the Riker horgon that we were given. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the, the horgon that has the Riker beard and it's doing the Riker maneuver. Look at what happened to him. We've been oh, touring no! for years and years and years. And to my knowledge, we've never broken a horgon. And this one broke. The base broke off the foot. What I realized when this was broken was that the base was filled with sand. Whoa. Absolutely filled to, to give it a sturdy base. And that sand went everywhere. <laughs> I felt a lot like Anakin. Yeah. When I opened up my suitcase uh-huh. and found this guy split apart. I don't like sand. So what I got to do is refill the base with sand and epoxy it back together. Do you think that it was 3D printed in two parts so that 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 sand could be added? I do think that because there's a hole in the base that seems pretty purpose built. Oh yeah, look at that. Yeah. Nice square hole. Yeah, this is one of my favorite Horgon. And uh, it really fucked me. Yeah. I've got to get that platinum. Get that robe enlargement. I've got to get that platinum. Are you planning a heist? 
A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it. With Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Captain 
Troy amid her protestations about how inappropriate this is, about how creepy it is, about how this is not okay for him to come make her do her job when she's on her vacation, basically stops all of those protestations and immediately starts being Counselor Troy again. And he, you know, is telling her about how, like, work is going bad and his life is going bad and he... Everything had been going good, and the last time they saw each other, he was on top of the world. He'd shown his hologram idea to Jordy and gotten a big compliment about it, and that had given him a real boost. And he was, like, dating someone. And then when, when work started going bad, she kind of ghosted him, and everything has just fallen apart. I think the episode believes that these are persuasive arguments, to get Troy to help him out. But when I hear this list, all I hear is a guy fucking up a bunch and then making it her problem (laughs) to clean up his mess. It sucks. You know what I wish there was more of in this scene and other scenes is the tension of a Will Riker, which goes like, I'm just trying to have a good time with my wife. And more than that, when I'm not around, I want my wife to be happy. And guess what? You're pissing me off because you're stressing her out all the time. Yeah. I just, I think that Barkley is such a fragile man of a character that any smoke from Will Riker would just absolutely shatter him. Yeah. Like, I almost respected them not, I like, I, I feel like it's probably budget more than anything else that yeah. doesn't have Frakes in this episode, but I also feel like Frakes would have, like, blown him off the screen just in the Riz category and how fucking great would it have been to have seen Frakes in swim trunks though? Oh, I want, I want it all. Yeah. Not on UPN. Too sexy. (laughs) Too titillating. (laughs) So Troy does this thing to get uh, Barkley remember to remember better days. And The thing about the story he tells about uh, Leosa is a pretty fun trick she does. All she does is have Barkley describe the relationship with Leosa and then kind of repeat the description in a way that makes it pretty clear that she's suspicious. Yeah. She's a suspicious person. If, on the other hand, he'd described her and Troy had sort of expressed admiration or like she kind of had his girlfriend's back in the situation, would that have been a Leosa route? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that uh, this scene, for some of the challenges of shooting on the beach, this scene got more and more impressive as it went on because they start doing like crane shots and, I mean, all of the dialogue is looped, but... And waves are hitting them in the legs? Yeah, like, like these are compound scenes where they have multiple beats of blocking, like, where they, like, walk along the beach and then go sit down on some rocks. And, like, the waves are, like, interacting with those rocks, you know, danger close the entire time. And it looks great. And the timing of the waves. That scene where they sit on the rock together and the wave crashes against that rock and it kind of blurps over them a little bit, but doesn't ruin anything. You can't plan for that. No, it's so good. (laughs) They got really lucky with that. 
Yeah. Either that or they did like 10 million takes of it. But uh, it looked great. I love that Troy dug up that he was like mildly suspicious of Leosa. Mm -hmm. And I didn't see this coming. Like I didn't see this as being where the episode was heading at all. Everybody is now suspicious of Barkley's ex and whether she did something to his hologram. Yeah. We cut from this scene to Voyager in the mess hall where Barclay is doing bits in front of everyone, including a spot-on Janeway impression and Tuvok too. His Janeway impression is nearly as good as ours. I want to know what you plan to do about it. I thought that it was very cute that a scene on the beach that has to be looped with the dialogue was right up against a scene where they have to loop the dialogue because it's one character's voice coming out of another character's mouth. It's a great observation, yeah. It was fun. I feel like it helped sell the bit. Good restraint to not do that thing where someone is being made fun of and then that person walks in the room behind them (laughs) and then Barclay goes, she's behind me, isn't she? Right, yeah. Instead, he gets called away to uh, the holodeck by Dr. Mark, who is pretty irritated that Barclay has stood him up for their golf date. Dr. Mark is all uh, all decked out in his golf attire, in his tweeds, his big old bow tie. Hey, you should play in the Waterbury Open tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, all right, I'll see you guys there. <laughs> I read something pretty funny to me about moments like these that may hit a very, very, very small portion of our audience, which goes like (laughs) the person waiting for their friend to show up for the tea time is way more stretched than the person who's late for the tea time. (laughs) (laughs) And that's really true. I think that goes for like meeting for a movie or meeting at a restaurant or something. Like, I don't know. The waiter. Yeah. Is on one in these moments. That's definitely a thing. Yeah. They talk a little bit about uh, what course they're going to golf. What are the options? The back nine at Giddy Prime? <laughs> Again, Giddy Prime? Again. What's Fade Routh's handicap, you think? Scratch. This is a hot Conan <laughs> animal. Barclay plays it off. He's got other plans with seven. Yeah. But this is the scene where the mask slips a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. He gets a little... A little aggro, a little bit, a little bit like scary. Board games aren't exactly crucial to your mission. (laughs) And I suppose golf is. Reg. We cut back to Earth where, where Reg Barkley's ex is being interrogated in a pretty high level, like she is not playing this like she's intimidated by having been hauled in front of a Starfleet admiral. I would be shitting myself. She's comfortable with it like she's done it before, maybe even many times. Yeah. Leosa. L-E-O-S-A. And Troy picks up on this. Like, how do you get through to someone for whom this is not an unusual situation? How do you increase the stakes? And involuntary psychiatric evaluation and hospitalization is... What she threatened. <laughs> What's the longest you've ever been incarcerated? I didn't like this. No, but uh, I mean, the stakes are high. Yeah. And uh, you can tell that this woman is in a lot of trouble when she gets left alone with, with Counselor Troy. Yeah. 
Troy uh, comes out. And he's like, yeah, so she works for this guy named Nunk. He, uh, you know, came up with this whole scheme. They capture the hologram, send a altered version along. So they're tasking the USS Carolina with going after Nunk and the rest of the Ferengi bad guys in this episode. Star Trek needs to make and release the great big book of Ferengi baby names. Because <laughs> Nunk is great. Nunk is so perfectly Ferengi. It really is. It sounds like, I don't know, like a sound more than a name. You yeah, know? yeah. It's the sound where if you turn a five-gallon bucket from the home center upside down and drop a quarter on it. Oh, yeah. That makes a nunk. Sure does. Look at what you've made, Windy Do. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Sorry, Windy. <laughs> <laughs> so Admiral Paris is going to direct the Federation starship Carolina to go intercept. And in the moments after this, Leosa absolutely smashes Barkley's balls about stringing him along during the relationship. Oh. <laughs> I don't often feel bad for Barkley, but this is one of those times. Poor Barkley. This is just unnecessarily cruel. He's so hurt by this whole thing. Was everything that happened between us a lie? Not everything. Just the parts where I expressed affection for you. I've said this over the course of my entire life and in all my relationships. Like, accidentally hurting someone's feelings happens all the time. But as soon as you, like, do that with intent, you're fucking dead to me. Yeah. Like, don't try to hurt people. Yeah. And Leosa does. She writes him, like, a super long text message attacking every bit of his character. Yeah. I'm giving you an order. I'm giving you an order. Is that understood? I'm giving you an order. I'm giving you, and you have just crossed the line. What Leosa also does is, like, let's spill the issue of the nanoprobes, right? Yeah, and that she's getting points on the back end. Like, she didn't get anything up front for this. Yeah. She's, she's taking as big a risk as the Ferengis are. What the fuck? What an idiot. Nunk sat alone near a big red star Making Leona break Red's Barkley's heart She'll help him out for a small percentage He'll be turning nanoprobes into bars of platinum He's Nunk, he's Nunk, he's in her bed <laughs> He's Nunk, he's Nunk, he's Nunk She gives great head <laughs> That's Umox to you. Mm. <laughs> Finally, Mark goes to the captain with, uh, hey, I'm a little bit worried about this Barclay fellow. I think we should at least, you know, do a, a diagnostic, see if anything's wrong. Yeah, makes sense. She goes up to him in the ass lab and is... You know, not as sly as I think Dr. Mark might have hoped with the way she approaches Barclay on this. She's like, yeah, the doctor asked for it. <laughs> yeah, didn't like that. Leave my name out of it, Captain. <laughs> hmm. Trying to put the like safety of the ship first. and <laughs> You're putting me on blast. I really thought this would do it. But Barclay is way all right with this. Yeah. He's like, yeah, cool. Scan me twice. Back on Earth, Barkley is stressing about these nanoprobes, and he's willing to talk to Troy about it, but won't tell Pete Harkin about it. 
until he has some hard evidence, which this is like a, a big gaping hole in the plot to me. Like, yeah. what do you mean, man? Like, you got like they know that she's in league with these Ferengis. You tell everything you know about what she said. Barkley is someone who totally vomits out his heart and soul to anyone that he works with. Yeah. This is the moment you show restraint. <laughs> Barkley, is this your idea of restraint? It's bad. Yeah. So uh, the Ferengis initiate this geodesic space fold, and in the D-Quad, uh, Voyager is heading toward the hole. Oh. But questions keep coming up about the radiation deal. You know, Seven is like, uh, yeah, so you keep saying that the like vaccinations and the shields are going to work together to protect from the radiation, but what if one of the other fails? Not super satisfied by that. Everyone just turns into a wet red paste? <laughs> Who's going to clean that up if I'm also a wet red paste? Will the squeegee be among the things that gets liquefied? <laughs> or will that at least be intact for whoever finds the ship on the other side? How good are the diagnostics on the ship if they can't tell that Barclay has been fucked with? or is from a place he shouldn't be from, or whatever. This diagnostic reveals nothing. It's worthless. Trash diagnostic is what it is. Yeah. How about that hollow attack, though, where he just puts his finger in her head? I didn't like that. That's got to cause Borg brain damage, right? It goes right in there. They show it going in. Yeah. Ugh. It's like a wet willy for brains. Yeah. And now he's doing his voice trick where he can mimic anybody perfectly. But now he's using that power for evil? Had to call that back. Yeah. Good callback. Great callback. And then Barclay calls up Chakotay and is like, Chakotay, meet me in my quarters. <laughs> and bring the bubble bath concentrate. <laughs> Tonight's your night. Sounds great. Oh, feel so bad for him. So it sort of seems like there's nothing that they can do about it in the A-Quad. Like, they're watching all this unfold from the Pathfinder research project. Uh, but then the Ferengi get a FaceTime, and it's very obvious to us that this is coming from Barclay and not Barclay. Mm -hmm. But he persuades them to close the fold because Voyager is way more capable than they initially anticipated and when they come through they're going to just kill the Ferengi and there is no profit in being murdered. Yeah, unfortunately that's true. So uh, out of uh, extreme Ferengi cowardice they buy it they start to close the fold and over in the Dequad the Voyagers seeing the fold collapse and they're like no our way home and Barclay bails out in an escape pod and I loved that they cut to the exterior of the ship with the escape pod coming out. Me too. This is great. It looked awesome. They can't grab it with a tractor beam. It's left a little ambiguous whether a beam out works, but uh, when we cut to the A-quad and the pod boinks into the Ferengi ship, they scan it and realize it's empty. No nanoprobes for these Ferengis. I mean, ambiguity creates tension here, and this was completely by the book, right? Yeah. Like, are they on there or are they not? I like this moment. Very efficient. I thought it was well done. And it's like 
It's sort of the same idea as the we see the shuttlecraft explode and then we cut to the transporter pad and everybody mm-hmm. materializes just in time. Yeah. But a new take on that that I don't feel like we've seen in Star Trek before. Janeway's log tells us that Seven's going to be all right, even though hollow fingers have stirred up her brains, and that the Barclay hollow has been deactivated. Ben, do you think that there would ever be a chance that uh, the Barclay hollow will, would be reactivated on this show at a later date? Oh, man. Sounds like they're keeping them. Yeah, maybe they uh, just are going to drop them off at Daystrom when they get to the A-Quad. Oh, yeah. You think this is bad? A room full of awesome robots? I love it here. Not an organic to be found. In the mess hall, we get one of our final scenes. It's Harry Kim struggling to raise a fork of his mom's apple pie to his mouth when BLT and Paris sit with him, and Kim is really bumming about this. Harry Kim's mom, is this your idea of apple pie? It looked very green to me. I haven't worked up the courage to taste it yet. It was like gelatinous. It was, it, I mean, it was like the texture of, of like key lime, but yeah. with a crust on top. Yeah. What? I'd fuck with that. I love apple pie. Apple pie may be the king of pies to me. It's a great pie. This seems like a, a weird variation. What do you envision it being? Like apple flavor in custard and then like green food dye? Is it like apple starburst, you know, flavor? Uh, you know, the more you describe this, the, the more revolting it becomes. <laughs> because I, I don't love apple candy flavor. And if this is apple candy flavor pie, then yeah, I get the reluctance to eat it. Harry seems to like it when he does finally take a bite. This would be the hardest thing about being so far away from home, right? Is is the impossibility of enjoying the foods that you love? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be hard. It'd be a struggle. I mean, every time I'm overseas and I think about Mexican food, Mm -hmm. it makes me want to go home immediately. Man. (laughs) You know? I know. But, uh... Also, on Voyager, don't you think they have to institute a no-bits-on-trips-home policy? After this scene, I would co-sign that rule totally. So mean. Doing bits on a bummed guy, especially? Yeah. Ugh. Leave the bummed guy alone. Yeah, a a husband and wife team-up prank on the saddest guy on the ship. I mean, not only is he sad, he's fucking gullible. And they're, like, making fun of the idea that he is both sad and gullible. Yeah, I'm not that gullible. I'm I'm all for getting roasted, you know? Sure. Roast me. If you know me. Not if you're just a listener and I've never actually met you. Yeah. Just not to diminish our listeners. I just like, you know, only roast people that you know are like <laughs> in the mood for it and on in the right frame of mind for it. I guess this is what gives Paris and BLT the license. Yeah, maybe. They know they can do this. Yeah. And is that a little smile on Harry Kim's face? Yeah. Is he a nasty little roast freak? (laughs) Yeah, I think he is. You were right about him. Back in the communication center, Barclay Actual is working, turning a a few wrenches on Barclay, who is now a fucking attack dog versus Troy when she walks in the room. (laughs) Yikes. The rest of Troy and Riker's vacation has been moved from Risa to Tiburon where they are inviting him out for like kind of a blind double date. Like they have a friend that they want to set him up with. Her name's Meryl. You're going to adore her. Oh, this poor woman. 
I thought a lot about this and I'm thinking maybe they're doing this to get Meryl off of their business, you know? <laughs> Tired of hanging out with Meryl as a three. <laughs> maybe it'll work between her and Barkley. Yeah, yeah. Meryl, probably not a con artist, according to them. Yeah. They can't be sure, though. One can only hope. Can you be sure about whether or not you like this episode, Ben? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullets. I don't like friends, and I don't like you. I do like this episode, Adam. I love like playing with the tone of a character like this. You know, you've always been a big Dwight Schultz guy. Love everything about the guy. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I think that you know, Star Trek and Family Matters are like two of the only shows that really give you opportunities to have one actor play the same character multiple different ways. Those are the only two I can think of. I always enjoy it when they do things like this. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mm -hmm. I thought the idea that somebody had like snuck a mole into the Pathfinder initiative was such a great inventive idea. Because it's not like, you know, they're, they're not doing highly classified military research or anything. They're just trying to get Voyager home, but some enterprising Ferengis thought of a way to make money off of that. Yeah. And uh, of course, Starfleet isn't going to like always be on top of like what motivates aliens like the Ferengis because they're just so far from the mindset slash grind set that Starfleet is in. And uh I, I don't know. I, I just really enjoyed it overall. How about you? I tend to reject stories where smart people act dumb in order to expedite a plot. But I think this episode really works because it highlights that thing where hope is kind of the the perfect cheat code for that. Like when people are hopeful and maybe even desperate for something to be true. They look for reasons to make that true. And on and on throughout this episode, everyone kind of goes around their own instinct. You know, maybe Barclay gets their antenna up a little bit, but but everyone's so hopeful that what he's saying is is true. I mean, this is like cult pathology, right? This guy isn't especially culty, but he's he's presenting an outcome that everyone desires so much and they're willing to kind of suspend whatever safeties they've got in order to follow this guy through the plan up to and including turning into a red paste <laughs> from the radiation. So I, I thought this was an episode that really humanized and I know the very term is racist. If you could only hear yourselves it humanized a bunch of the crew in that way. Like these are smart, capable people that really, really wanted this to be true. And I thought that's what fixed the essential problem that is so often a problem in stories like this is like people acting against their own interests or uh, against their own intelligence. So yeah, I I liked it a lot. Wow. Well, uh, do you want to see if you like anything about the priority one inbox, Adam? As long as none of them follow me on vacation. (laughs) Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Well, Adam, our first priority one message here is of a promotional nature. 
goes like this. Did a scrambled message get half your bridge crew kidnapped on a fake slipstream ship? Did a bogus nun download your ship's database and use it to scam half the quadrant? Do you habitually beam every dangerous object you find straight into engineering? You and your crew need some security awareness training. You need pistachioapp.com, a fully automated cybersecurity training platform that connects to your Microsoft AD in under five minutes. Start your free trial now at pistachioapp.com. How about that? P-I-S-T-A-C-H-I-O-A-P-P.com. Pistachio app. You're only five minutes away from getting that thing spooled up on your systems. And this teaches you how to uh, avoid getting taken. It's a training app. That's great. Yeah, I mean, you can be certain of your own defenses cybersecurity-wise, but if you're, like, working for a team... Who the fuck knows what they're doing? Yeah. And if they're being as careful as you are, something like this is going to help. This sounds great. Uh, it sounds like uh, somebody that works on the Pistachio app is a friend of DeSoto also. So Like that. You know that uh, that it's a, a quality app when that is true. Yeah. Ben, our next priority one message is from Devin. It's to Ben and Adam. That message goes like this. Cocktailed on a rooftop in the biggest of easies. Who should I see but Ben and Adam? She who is my wife assured me it was mostly okay to say hi, and y'all were lovely as I clumsily asked for a pic. <laughs> Spent the rest of the trip excited and a little embarrassed explaining who you were. Thanks for letting me intrude and look forward to the next Chicago show in 2025, question mark. Hey, I remember Devin. Devin? <laughs> what are you doing here? Yeah. This is while we were on that birthday trip for you in Nerland. That was a fun, fun trip. And uh, yeah, it was, it was really fun to uh, meet a friend of DeSoto at the hotel pool mm-hmm. at the hotel we were staying at. My wife saw the lady that played Cher from Clue, the Clueless TV show in that hotel while mm-hmm. we were there. And she got like totally starstruck. And I was like, you should have said something like she... She played Cher on a TV show in, like, the 90s. Like She should have asked Devin for tips, because Devin did it perfectly. Devin nailed it. Yeah. He uh, was a perfectly pleasurable person to meet on a rooftop when I was uh, only wearing swim trunks. <laughs> yeah. Good job, Devin. Adam, our last P1 is from Viper, and it's to Iceman, and it goes like this. Who could have guessed that being randomly forced into a surprise Trivial Pursuit play date, which I won... Thank you, Mexico City. By a girl you were on a second date with would lead to two decades and counting of close friendship. Thanks for turning me in on to TGG. Just one of the Miriam interests we share. Happy 40th birthday, Iceman. Roll air and drop. I love that. Man. Love a long, long, long-term relationship. Yeah, I wonder if that uh, that girl that was on the second date with is still in the picture, <laughs> or if it's just Viper and Iceman now. I don't know. Maybe Viper had some good advice for Iceman about whoever that was. Yeah, yeah. Hope so. Hey, here's some good advice. Support the greatest generation and greatest trek by uh, doing a Jumbotron. That's the best advice there is. You go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Type a couple of words. Have us read those words. Great way to support the shows. 
Indeed. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. I'm going to give it to that one Parangi that thinks that he's going to spend all of his money that they make on the nanoprobes off on uh, lobe enlargements. Yeah. Just, I love hearing that audio drop. Lobe enlargements. <laughs> it's got real, they said the name of the movie in the movie energy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought I must have missed it in that episode where they catch up with the Ferengis that went through the wormhole in the TNG episode and turn themselves into... Mm-hmm. Lords on that on that planet. Yeah, I didn't know it was this late in the game, yeah. but uh, what a line and what a delivery on that line by that guy. They did uh, a little bit of a camera move on him, mm-hmm. made it seem very heroic. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Just imagine being in a group of your friends and you're positive your ship is coming in. You're about to get so much money. And everybody's talking about what they're going to do with the money that is definitely about to hit the account. And you're like, I'm getting my dick in biggins. <laughs> Brother, you just described sports gambling with me and my friends. <laughs> <laughs> One of the many reasons that's uh, not really my world. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's going to be Commander Pete Harkins. Look, it is about time at your station, at your rank, you should be able to create an office environment that works for you. I don't understand this guy's deal. I don't understand <laughs> what he is getting in return for the many kindnesses that he shows Barkley. You got to transfer Barkley out of here because it's not just about Pete Harkins. It's about the entire staff. You know, they're pissed. You think they like coming to work with this guy? I don't think so. I think they hate it. I don't think so either. Yeah. You notice nobody is like right at the desk next to Barkley, you know? I think it's time to pip Barkley. And I think it's it's past time to do that, actually. <laughs> it sends a message. Wow. Well, Adam, it is time for us to decide how we are going to do the next episode on Star Trek Voyager. It is going to be Season 7, Episode 7, Body and Soul. The Doctor experiences physical sensations for the first time after Seven downloads his Matrix into her birdie. Why would she do that? I don't know. Ugh. I'm guessing they'll explain that in the episode. But if they don't, that's just going to strain credulity. I thought we were past this... Doctor pining over seven thing like that. That was a nice clean break. Mm -hmm. Not that long ago where, where the doctors decided to let seven fly. Mm -hmm. And now he's going in her. Now he's going up in them guts. Don't love that, Ben. I feel like I'm going to need a drink for that episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, there is a chance. I mean, there's always a chance, Adam. We could hit the Traveler space, which would rocket us forward five spaces. We could also hit a Neelix's galley square, which would be a a champagne ode. Oh, I could live with those outcomes. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. I'm going to go ahead and roll this bone. We're uh, going from square 89, so we'll see what we hit. I rolled a one. Ooh. Landing us on that traveler and rocketing us to 95. I am a traveler of all of space and time. 
Shut up, Wesley. Regular episode next time. Wow. The Traveler. The Traveler did it. Knocked us up instead of down. Yeah. You know what I was thinking about with the Traveler? His freakish hands? Well, he's a traveler of all space and time. You know who else was a traveler of all of space and time? Yor. He was Yor, wasn't it? Why, how can the Traveler do it and it fucks Yor up? How close do you think the Traveler has come to telling Wesley to just like experiment with uh, blurping out of here and like popping up in the center of a star? <laughs> I'm sure you'll be fine. <laughs> Your son has a destiny that is far greater than <laughs> Starfleet can offer. <laughs> can you breathe in liquidic space? <laughs> Give it a try. <laughs> Hey, nerds! God, what a bummer. <laughs> I mean, it's a bummer to think of the Traveler as, as a one-of-one one type of person. It's got to be lonely. Hmm. But not this lonely. Well, he's friends with Gary Seven. Oh, yeah, I do like Gary Seven. Gary Seven was cool. Gary Seven episode had one of the great drops ever created for this show. Well, how do you expect me to type? Not with your fingers. With my nose? have definite advantages. Look, it's typing everything I'm saying. Not with your fingers. They'll destroy you. Do you see that? With my nose? There it sits. Stop it! Everything you have done, stop with your fingers. Stop with your fingers. Stop. Well, how do you expect me to type with my nose? Stop. Stop it! Stop. Stop it! Stop. Stop it! Stop it. You thought you could handle So handle that does it. I quit. I just think that the uh, the the traveler should have uh, taken some pity on Yor. You know, he's got to have been aware of Yor. Had to have. I mean, and if it if you were a traveler of space and time, you could go undo what happened to Yor, save that guy's life. There should be a Yor square on the game of buttholes that just puts us back to square one. I like that. I like it a lot. Maybe we could replace the tub one with that. <laughs> You're always pitching that. You know, if we're on square 95, that means uh, not far away from a Mornhammered episode. I know. And an area of the board that a friend of DeSoto suggested, like, no matter what, going through means stopping and paying the toll yeah. of a power hour. Yeah. we get a, I think it's high time we made some, some tweaks to the board. Yeah. Is the time to do that maybe between series? Or do you want to make that sooner than that? I think we can make it. I think we can make it whenever we want. It's our game. It's our game. All right. Let's let's maybe bring some proposals to the Marin of the next episode. Ah, I like this. And uh, maybe we can make some decisions at that point about how to make the game even more fun. Yeah, an upcoming an upcoming Marin. Probably not next week's, but uh, you know we need to give ourselves some time to prep this. That's uh, true. But an upcoming Marin, we should do some some legwork on coming up with some ideas for other squares, squares that we can add, squares we want to take away. You know, a little, uh, little spit shine on the, on the game of buttholes. You know, the show's always getting better. You said it, dude. One of the reasons we we want to make it better is the support we get from the friends of DeSoto, right? Yeah. When uh, when our bosses are the people who listen to the show, they are the ones we want to serve. Yeah. Maximumfun.org slash join. 
is how uh, you put us on your payroll. Yeah. Five bucks a month makes a big difference. It sure does. And, uh, you know, thanks to everyone listening today, if you're listening day and date, uh, whether you uh, celebrate this Christmas or, or don't, uh, we really, really appreciate you. Yeah, hope you're he- keeping it holly and jolly. Yeah, hope you hope you have a, a nice uh, winter holiday, whatever your holiday is. And uh, we'll be back next week on uh, on New Year's Day, right? That's right. I, I think so. Yeah, that's the plan, dude. We're going to be nursing some FOD hangovers with that mm-hmm. episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll try to like talk real quiet so it doesn't, you know. Yeah. So, so that bastard behind your eyes doesn't go out of control. Wendy will, will put us through the NPR filter, make mm. it very pleasant to get through. Speaking of Wendy, one of the best in the business. She's our producer. She sure is. She's the greatest. Uh, thanks, Wendy. Happy holidays. Got to thank uh, Anna Ragusea, who made the original Janeway song based on Dark Materia's Picard song. Go check out Adam Ragusea's great work over on YouTube and uh, subscribe to the Adam Ragusea podcast, why don't you? Yeah, won't regret that at all. How about uh, we thank the great Bill Tilly, who runs our social media accounts at Greatest Trek all over the place. Card Daddy, we love you. He's the best. And, uh, you know, follow those accounts. Uh, spend your, your Christmas checks on uh, podshop.biz. And with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager in which we beg and plead for Seven not to put that in her. <laughs> oh, no. Make it so. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.